Welcome to the Panine Halacha podcast. Zmanim, Chapter 11, Hanukkah, Section 4, Crises in the Hasmonean Dynasty. After the war against the Greeks ended in a military and political victory, the cultural struggle returned to the fore. We still needed to defend ourselves against the torrent of Hellenism that had already engulfed all of the surrounding cultures. Greek culture was very powerful. Its methods of scientific research were advanced. Its its military strategy was excellent. Its system of government was efficient. Its sculptures and architectural designs were impressive. Its dramatic performances captivating. And its sporting events thrilling. This is why Greek culture succeeded in spreading so vigorously throughout the civilized world. Centuries later, when Rome had already become the major military power in the world, Greek Greek culture remained the dominant cultural force. Although the Hasmonean revolt impeded the process of Hellenization, it did not stop it entirely. A few decades later, Hellenism once again struck deep roots among wealthy Jews and among those who were in close contact with the Gentiles. The Hellenists of the Hasmonean era were known as Sadducees, or Sadukim. They did not preach total assimilation, but they believed that it was possible to combine loyalty to the written Torah and Greek culture within a Jewish national framework. One of the great tragedies of Jewish history is that the descendants of Matisyahu, who sacrificed his life to fight Hellenism, were themselves drawn to Hellenism, and they persecuted the sages of Israel, the defenders of our tradition. Matisyahu's great-grandson was King Yanai, who also served as the Kohen Gadol. An evil man, Yanai believed that his death would gladden the sages and their supporters. So, in order to spoil their joy, he commanded that immediately following his death, a large number of sages should be executed. After he died, however, his heirs, led by his wife, Shlamsion, disobeyed his orders. The sages declared the day of Yanai's death to be a joyous day of thanksgiving, marking the demise of an evildoer and the salvation and rescue of the sages. Eventually, the slaves of the Hasmoneans, foremost amongst them Herod, overcame their Hasmonean masters annihilated the entire Hasmonean line, and ruled in their set. The sages thus declared, anyone who claims to be from the Hasmonean dynasty is either a slave or a liar. You can find that teaching in Bava Basra. With this in mind, we can understand the criticism that certain sages leveled against the Hasmoneans. For example, The sages accused them of failing to appoint a king from the tribe of Yehuda, which is what the Torah prescribes. At first, the Hasmonean leaders were called Nisim, chieftains, but they did eventually crown themselves as kings, even though they were Kohanim, not from the tribe of Yehuda. The Hasmoneans also reserved the position of Kohen Gadol, of high priest, for themselves. Clearly, their involvement in matters of state interfered with their also holding priestly duties, which blemished the holy service, which, but which was supposed to be performed in sanctity and purity, and also it led to the strengthening of the influence of Hellenism. From a purely political standpoint as well, the Hasmonean kingdom was lacking, as it existed in the shadow of the mighty empires, and more often than not, under their aegis. 
This political weakness also strengthened Hellenism's influence over Judea. To summarize, after the Hasmonean victory, Hellenism still remained a powerful cultural force in the land of Israel. In fact, as the years passed, the Hasmonean leadership itself became major Hellenists, to the point of persecuting Torah sages. In fact, Hasmonean leadership was itself somewhat problematic. They were Kohanim, but they appointed themselves as kings, even though the Torah demands that kingship be held by the tribe of Yehuda. They also kept the position of Kohen Gadol to themselves, preventing more spiritually worthy Kohanim from serving in that role, and instead filling that sacred position with politically oriented figures. No surprise that Hellenism continued to spread under their rule. A note from me about how this element of the Hanukkah history intersects with the Panini Halacha's religious Zionism. For a religious Zionist, the Hanukkah story provides foundational inspiration. Look, there were Jewish soldiers who fought for Jewish independence and sovereignty in the land of Israel, and they are considered Jewish heroes. But interestingly, the more one emphasizes the imperfection of the Hanukkah heroes, the better the fit. If the Hashmanayim set up an unideal system of government, but we still celebrate it, is not today's secular democracy also worthy of celebration? If the Hashmanayim were themselves not perfectly pious, but we still celebrate them, are not the secular Zionist heroes themselves worthy of some admiration? If their rule was still subject to regional and geopolitical forces, forces, yet is still marked as a moment of victory, is not today's state of Israel equally momentous? This section of the Penine Halacha, which is explicitly devoted to the flaws and failures of the Hashmanayim, can be read as a subtle instance of the Penine Halacha's religious Zionism. Here we have a holiday of imperfect Jews winning an imperfect victory. So we will name their spiritual flaws, and we will commit to repairing them, but we will also celebrate nonetheless. The Panine Halacha podcast provides English audio of Panine Halacha, an exceptional work of Halacha by Rav Eliezer Malamed Shlita. The English translation was overseen by Ellie Fisher and Corin Publishers. These texts are available for free online and beautiful printed volumes are available for purchase. The summaries and reflections are from me, Ben Greenfield, rabbi of the Greenpoint Shul in New York City. I occasionally make subtle changes to the original translation, often for clarity, sometimes by mistake.